One of the hardest jobs for a founder and CEO is to hire a great engineering team. And if you're based in the Bay, competing with the salaries of Google and Facebook does not make it any easier, which is why I'm really excited to introduce our next sponsor, Turing. Turing makes it really easy to build a software engineering team. Go to Turing.com and they will find you hand-selective top-tier engineers that can work with you on a remote basis. Turing.com is backed by Foundation Capital, Founders Fund, other execs from Google, Facebook, Amazon, and more. And they are on a path to help companies like you find a remote engineering team and not spend years doing it. So if this is interesting to you in any capacity, I would check out Turing.com, T-U-R-I-N-G.com. And when they ask you, how'd you hear about Turing, make sure to tell them you came from the Forward Thinking Founders podcast, specifically tell them Matt Sherman 6, 6 is in the month June, and get that remote engineering team today, not in six months, not in a year, today. And by the way, you get a two-week risk-free trial to give it a shot. So what are you waiting for? Go to Turing.com, T-U-R-I-N-G.com, and I'll see you over there. Now let's get into the show. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to have on Dominic Wells, who is the who's the founder and CEO of Onfolio. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Hey, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's going well. Great. Yeah, I am really excited to dive into what you're working on. I'm actually like this industry that you're in. I'm I'm really on one for it, and I've been diving deep into it. So I'm really stoked to be chatting. For people that don't know what Onfolio is, can you can you share uh, what you're working on? Yeah, uh, basically we buy and grow and ideally flip content websites or essentially online businesses, um, and we we help investors who want to get involved and do the same thing, but have no idea how to operate these businesses. Um, and we yeah, that's pretty much what we do. Okay, so let's start on the first side of the coin. You buy internet businesses or content companies. You you then flip them. You help them make them more valuable, and you flip. So let's let's kind of like start from the beginning there. Um, what what type of a, uh, website would you consider a content website? I guess another phrase, another way to phrase the question is like, can you kind of give me an example of a of a website you would buy, like a hypothetical example, so I can kind of um, get in the right direction. Sure, yeah. Um, so a content website is it's maybe a, a few years ago, it was just referred to as a blog. But these days, when you think of a blog, you just think of, you know, someone, it's like a diary, um, whereas that's not what we buy. Um, essentially, a content website is a website that has articles on it, and it's monetized in different ways. So if you've ever Googled anything like, um, best water filter or anything like that and you find a bunch of websites which review water filters that's a typical type of site we would buy as opposed to if you googled water filter you'll find a bunch of websites that sell water filters so there's a difference there's the, the e-com businesses they actually have the physical products and the inventory and they sell or maybe they sell on amazon um, whereas a content website they review those products but also they also have information if you if you go on like a website like say run a click um, and you just want to get some running information that's um, 
uh, or runner's world or like magazine type website. Uh, or like if you Google how to lose weight fast or um, uh, when should I do my taxes, you know, things like that. These are all content websites where you're, you're going there because you're reading the content rather than you're trying to like go to a storefront and make a purchase. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I'm guessing that SEO has something to play when you're evaluating a website, like how high it ranks, what its domain authority is, things like that. Do you evaluate SEO at all? Yeah, I mean, SEO is probably our core competency. Um, but these days, it's it used to be different. It's, it's evolved over the years. It, it used to be a lot simpler. Um, you would buy websites that already ranked at the top of Google, and you would make sure they hadn't done anything shady with their SEO. They hadn't done any, any kind of black hat stuff to try and game Google. Because if they hadn't, then chances are that website was going to stay ranking and, and all good. Whereas... Uh, for the last two years or so, Google's algorithm's been a lot more um, up and down, and good sites can lose rankings, bad sites gain rankings, and then there's an update a month later and it fluctuates. Because I think Google's using a lot more machine learning to just try to figure out what the best websites actually are. So as well as looking at SEO, we're also going to look at what else does this website have going for it? Because just ranking at the top of Google isn't enough. You you need to have a community. So if you've got uh, an engaged audience, you've got a Facebook group, maybe you've got a, um, a large email list um, and you've got fans who are going to read the website, whether they rank number one in Google or number five in Google, that is an ideal candidate for us. So are you able to um, walk through how you value a site um, I mean, obviously, you don't have to share any like secrets, but I'm very familiar with the startup world where, you know, a private equity or a start a big company might buy a startup and there's things that they look for. Like, what are some of the um, what, what, what are the signals you look for on a website? Um, and also, I guess another question is how like do, do you buy websites? Let's say a website has like, I don't know, a, an Alexa score of like a million, right? Or like 500,000. Um, is there like a minimum threshold that you'd be like, Oh, like I buy this site for like a hundred bucks. You know, I guess I I'm just trying to learn more about how you evaluate opportunities versus let thing, let deals, uh, deals pass. Yeah. I, th I think there's probably two, two talking points there. One is how websites are typically valued in terms of their price. And one is what we look for ourselves in a, in a, in a good deal. Um, and so that the easiest one is the valuation, which is typically, a multiple of profit um, and usually it's the last year's profit sometimes it's shorter if the website's been growing really quickly um, and a typical range is around 2.5 to 3 years worth of multiple um, of annual profit so a website making 5k a month might sell for or you might buy it for uh, 150 thousand uh, dollars know, give or take um and what affects that multiple whether you're willing to pay 2.5 or 3 is a lot of the other factors like how diversified is it how much growth potential is it uh how much his history does it have has it been online for 10 years or like 10 months um and so many other different factors and then what we personally look for is we are we we're less concerned with upside initially we're more 
concerned with stability because online you want to if you're paying three years for a business that's been online maybe three years or less you want to make sure it's still going to be online in three years so whereas someone might think they might see a website and think oh this is already tapped its potential it already ranks for everything its audience already love it how am i going to grow this for me i would say well that's a great business to buy because it's probably going to just be throwing off cash flow for the next 10 years and i'll make great roi anyway um but then if i had two comparable businesses i'm going to go with the one that has more upside um, and so upside is essentially well can we get more traffic can we um increase the sales does it like for example does it have an email list but it doesn't have its own digital product okay great so we can we can create a digital product or oh it already has one digital product and they email once a month and get sales so we can create more digital products and we can email every day or every week and get more sales um does it have a facebook group around it or another community uh it doesn't but okay all the competitors do and they do really well so just things like this where we know we can fundamentally we're starting out with a solid business um and and we can add to it so we're not really looking for something that's like a distressed business like you might do if you were trying to like flip a house for example that makes sense um yeah it's really fascinating just because i mean i feel like i'm i'm pretty knowledgeable about just entrepreneurship making money online um yet i think you you, you might be you might like kind of prove me wrong here but like i in my world uh, thinking about selling your website or selling your newsletter or like selling an asset that it may not be worth millions but it's worth something is like less less thought of um and the reason i was so interested when i found you is that you're almost normalizing that you're almost would you consider yourself private equity for the internet world <laughs> like is that do you ever make that comparison yeah i mean i have done it's slightly different because we're actually operating the businesses we buy whereas private equities generally buying businesses that already have an operating team but if you take that distinction out then yeah we're kind of like micro private equity to some extent so the, let's talk about the other side of the coin if i remember correctly um I, you said something along the lines of you help other people kind of break into the market or understand or you bring them along for the ride can you kind of go into the second point you made when you were describing what on folio was yeah so this is i guess where we're not like private equity because we also work with individuals um so i guess we're more like a real estate property management type company so um we have a lot of people who essentially they're they're high net worth individuals um maybe they're they're familiar with uh, real estate investment or some of them are entrepreneurial we get a lot of people who are based in silicon valley um and they they want to get into this space but they either have no time no desire or just no knowledge to actually run these businesses and the, the thing about the average seller particularly like say below a million dollars the average seller is a solopreneur most of these businesses are owner operated so if you're going to buy it you need to know how to run it um so not only do you need to actually know how to do due diligence and find a good business to buy in the first place but you also need to know how to run it and the average person just like i said they either don't know how or they're not interested in learning how or they're just busy and so we're like the ones who will facilitate that we'll say okay well you know pay us a management fee pay us uh, a percentage of profits 
and we'll take care of all of that for you. You'll own the asset, but um, you know we'll we'll make sure it, it like it, it runs and it keeps paying you and everything. So, could you? You might have just said this, and I'm just trying to put the piece together pieces together. For, so, for them, do they look at you as in some ways like an asset manager? Like, is this an asset class to them that they're trying to get their return? Where they're you know they have their portfolio like real estate. They got the stock market. They might have. Um, they might have investments in startups, and this is another asset class where they're trying to get a return. But you're kind of managing the whole process. Is is that is that how that works? Yeah, to some extent. Yeah, um, a lot of people definitely view it that way. Um, so, like in real estate, for example, you have the asset manager, and then you have the property manager. Whereas we kind of do both, um, and um, so we're not like the asset manager in the sense we don't take the investors um, money and then go buy the site for them it's more like we'll help them find a site and we'll help them set up escrow and they send the money to the to the seller um, because there's a lot of trust issues and we're, we're crossing international borders here so it's just a lot easier if we don't take people's money and then have to worry about you know sending money to some english dude that they've not met before but um uh yeah like conceptually it's pretty pretty similar would you say that this is a new market? To me, it is. Like I, 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 you know, I, I haven't. When I've, you're, I haven't. I can't point out so many companies like doing what you're doing, um, which makes it unique. I'm curious from your perspective: is buying assets on the internet and flipping them and selling them or operating them almost as like a private equity model? Is that common, or are you kind? Are you kind of ahead of the curve and like no one's really doing it? Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting question. I've been aware of the concept since probably 2014 or 2013. There's a website called flipper.com, which has been around since, oh, I don't know, I got into the space in 2012 and um, it was already around then. But for a lot of people, it's I would still say it's a new and emerging asset class. There's a lot of... Uh, up until a few years ago, it was definitely reserved for kind of like SEOs and, and, and nerds and teenagers. And the last few years, it's really started to emerge as something where we're not quite at the institutional money level yet, but we're like seeing family offices and small private equity companies coming into the fold and more and more, um, I guess, retail investor types being interested. So in terms of are we at the front of that um i guess to some extent we're pioneering um a lot of the the sort of we're trying to bring legibility to the space for other investors and um i guess there's confirmation bias as well because i live in this space i i see i see new money coming into the space every day so i think like it's almost like a, a gold rush but um i don't know if that's actually true or it's just like confirmation bias of course, that sometimes everything in a way is confirmation bias and feels like the industry you're in is like, oh my God, it's like, this is it, it's the moment, but it's just like, you're in it, you know, um, deeper yeah. that, 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 than many other people, which is a pro anacon, right? Do you, if someone was, like, let's say I recently exited a company at a million bucks, um, just like that I wanted to invest. So a million liquid, all my, all my other needs were taken care of. What? Um, I don't even, I don't know if this like goes into things that you don't talk about for free, but like, I'm just like curious, like if someone wanted to get into this space, 
where would they start? Like, would they just, you know, use, use you to find sites to buy? Like what are other areas where people can get into the, what I kind of am thinking is like the internet M and a game. Like it's almost like micro M and a, um, kinda, um, which is just honestly so fascinating to me. What are ways to get involved with this type of business? Yeah, I mean, there's different ways. There are there are funds being created. Um, so a million dollars, you'd be an accredited investor easily. So you could you could put your money with a fund, um, or you could come to us and we would help you diversify that. So you probably wouldn't go out and buy one million dollar business. Probably buy a couple uh, or, or three three hundred thousand ones, for example. Um, I think that's the best way to do it is to work with an expert. I wouldn't try and do it yourself unless you were going to just build a site from scratch and learn everything that way and then just use your money to pay for startup costs. Um, if, if you were just deployed a, a million dollars by yourself and hoped for the best, you would probably lose most of it. So I, I wouldn't recommend that. Um, so yeah, I, I would look for some of the vehicles that exist like a fund or like talking to us. Well, you're saying I shouldn't take my million dollars and put it all on red? <laughs> I mean, you can if you want. <laughs> yeah, it's not no, the, best, for sure. it's not the mean, best idea. Diversification is is um is always fun. I I uh, recently I've been kind of toying, not really recently, but maybe five months ago or so, I was toying a bit around Republic, which is investing in startups for unaccredited investors and Robinhood, um, which is obviously stock trading, and just the whole. I think. I'm excited to see what Gen uh, Gen Y, so the millennials, and what Gen Z does with all of the investing options and the information about investing now out. I feel like our, our like I feel like Gen X and Baby Boomers like it wasn't like learning how to invest. It wasn't that easy to learn, but now everything's kind of out there. It's like you know which asset class do you want to break into, um, which is which is kind of which is kind of fun. One um, one other question for you what if a website is, is it has a high domain authority and it is bringing a lot of traffic, but they aren't actually monetizing? Like, like, is there, is there a realm where I could start a site SEO, optimize it really well, get those keywords, get those backlinks, et cetera, get like a million people coming, you know, a month and then sell it to you. Um, or is that not, does that not work in this type of model? Uh, it would probably work, but you would get less money than if it had already been monetized. So, um, you know, like let's say a website was getting a million dollars in traffic. I, and the traffic was mostly us traffic and it was high quality and people like the website wasn't an adult website or something that I knew advertisers would be okay with. I would be able to look at that and think, okay, off the top of my head, that site could maybe make $10,000 a month from display ads. So I'm not going to, so if you put those ads on yourself, now that site might be worth 300 to 400 K. I'm not going to pay that. Um, if the revenue is not already there. So I might say, wow, I can't believe he hasn't monetized this website. And I might, I, I don't know what I would pay. I, because rarely they're, uh, you know, I would probably not try to pay a lot or I would say, uh, I'll monetize, I'll partner up with you and monetize it and we split the profit or something. Um, so those, those ones are when they're just asset based without revenue, it's a lot harder to do evaluation. Um, but it can be done. The, the domain authority itself is 
less valuable, but I guess if the website has high domain authority because it has really good backlinks and getting into the weeds a bit here, but someone would probably see value in it, but it's gonna be a much smaller price, like maybe four figures. So it's like the, you're taking on so much risk by not having the revenue already coming in. Like, yeah, that, that makes sense. What would you what, what what would you say is the the big uh, the big plan here? Um, I mean, usually I talk to a lot of people with startups that um, have a different model, right? It's one product, and it's you know they 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 they're trying to take a market. Where you're more of like like Berkshire Hathaway asset management things like that, which is really interesting. So I'm, I'm curious to hear, like, what's your big plan? Ten years from now, what do you want on Folio to look like, um, and what's the big vision? Yeah, I mean, th- there's there's definitely a big vision. Um, and the question is, there's so many different ways we could take it because there's an emerging emerging market. So you could go the kind of wealth management, asset management angle and try to be like the Goldman Sachs of, uh, internet businesses, or you could go the Berkshire Hathaway way and either stay private and have a private holding company or, or even do an IPO and be a public company. Um, or um, just try to, or, or just do funds and be more like a, you know, a fund management company. So there's so many different ways and there's, there's pros and cons to, I think, all of those. Um, and I'm currently in a wonderful position where I can probably do any of the above. Uh, I just need to decide which one really fits what I want to do. Um, but either way, all three of those, I think, are very exciting and um I, I think 10 years from now, people will be able to invest in online businesses similar to how they buy stocks. Um, maybe not quite that level, but like a lot more easily than, than it happens now. I fully agree with that. I also think there's going to be, over the next five to 10 years, a gro- growing M&A market in paid newsletters and paid anything with any creator that is monetized through subscriptions that is a, in a, you know, an asset that could be acquired as well. So I'm kind of excited for the creator M&A world as well. Um, do, you, do you spend any time thinking about the, this new business model for creators from Patreon, Substack, et cetera? Like, would you ever acquire a creator? Uh, that's interesting you say that because I don't know if you're, if you subscribe to trends, uh, you know, from the hustle, but they, they, they just did a report about paid newsletters. Um, and I read it yesterday and it was really timely for me because paid newsletters is something I've been looking at a lot more. Uh, I think everybody is, which is probably why trends did the report in the first place. But, um, I don't know if I would pay to acquire a creator, but I would definitely pay to acquire like um uh, a paid newsletter and so if the creator came with that because they were a subject matter expert and they didn't want to exit then yeah absolutely i would do that um because then you you don't carry the risk that what happens when you take over the business and does it kind of go 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 badly because the the founder's gone uh typically in the space though a lot of people sell because they want to exit the they don't want to do that thing anymore so they want to hand the asset over to somebody else so yeah but either way i think paid newsletters and uh youtube channels are, are gonna get a lot more m a activity um in their own right rather than just being like add-ons to online businesses yeah yeah i it's an interesting perspective i like that a lot last question for you or i guess second to last question 
is what can the forward thinking founders community do to help you um, with what you're working on and your big vision? Um, or I guess in other words, um, do you even ask for the listeners um, for something that there's something we could help with? Uh, it's rare to come on a podcast and be given an ask. Normally it's I'm the one <laughs> like telling people where to find me. Um, to be honest, just the more people who sort of follow this movement and regardless of whether they actually want to buy a business or, or they, they just want to follow it. I think the faster it will accelerate in terms of awareness and that will drive more innovation and, and more, um, uh, it will, it will normalize the space even more and professionalize it even more. So just, just kind of honestly something as simple as, visiting my website reaching out to me or subscribing to my blog or following me on twitter like those things i think help build a movement and i i i, sh I retweet i share other people in the space as well and so then they'll go on and follow those people i think that's really the biggest thing that i i could ask for right now cool and that leads me to my last question is where can they find you online what's what's your url are you on social media do you have an email i guess how can they how can they find what you're working on and get involved yeah uh so i'm online uh we mentioned at the beginning on folio.co is the website and uh i i typically reply to emails um or the contact form finds its way to me um and then twitter i'm i'm active on twitter and I'm on LinkedIn, but that's not really active there other than just sharing when I'm on podcasts and so on. So I would say go to the website and if you want to speak to me directly, just fill out the contact form um, or like follow me on Twitter and send me a DM or something. Cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on at the podcast. I learned about a whole new category of stuff, which was exciting. And I think the listeners liked it too. So I wish you best of luck finding internet businesses in the future. And thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thanks again for having me. All right, thank you for tuning in to that episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I really want to thank our sponsors of today's episode, Turing, for supporting June's episodes of Forward Thinking Founders. If you are a startup founder or a CEO and have any need for technical talent or need an engineering team, specifically a remote engineering team, I highly encourage you to check out Turing.com and see what they can do for you. They have a two-week risk-free trial where you can check out what they have going on. And if you go over to Turing.com, T-U-R-I-N-G.com, Com. Tell them Matt Sherman sent you. Tell them Matt Sherman 6, 6 being the month of June. Thanks for listening to today's episode, and I'll see you tomorrow. Peace.